Dan, it's an honor to have you on the first episode of the Get to Know Them podcast. I'm your host, Max Barrios. Dan, how are you doing? Hey, yeah, doing well. Good. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, it's an honor to be to be the uh, the first guest here on the podcast. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Okay. So first off, to the listeners who may not know who you are, Dan is a University of Illinois graduate, born in Woodstock, Illinois, a two-time Olympic marathon trials qualifier. Dan also runs for a Second City Track Club. He works as a medical coder and also works part-time at Heartbreak Hill Running Company. He currently lives, trains, and works in Chicago, Illinois. Dan, how does that sound? That's perfect. That's spot on. Yeah, and uh, we're coming right off the heels of a, of a crushing uh, March Madness loss for my Illini. So, uh, you know, RIP to the 2021 20, team. But, uh, you know, that that's how March Madness goes. So let's start from the beginning. So you started running in high school, right? Yep, that's, that's right. Um, so I, yeah. why did you decide, why did you decide to start running in high school? And at the time you started running, what other things were you doing with your life? Because you weren't just a, a, a runner in high school. You also were a student and you had other hobbies as well. Yeah. Um, I, so I guess I should say I, I started running in track in, in middle school. And I think even going at that point in time, uh, I was I was always big into sports, big, big sports fan. And I also had a really uh, strong love for, for football. So the, the two sports I played in, in both middle school and in, in high school uh, were, were football and, and track. And I, I always kind of used track early on uh, to get in shape for football, you know, in the spring season to kind of gain speed, gain endurance and uh, try to better myself as a football player. And then I think from, from early on in middle school, I realized that I, I kind of had a, a little bit more talent, I should say, in track, or my my ceiling was higher in track than it, than it was in football. Um, so I, once I finished up football my senior year, that's when I started running full time uh, year round. Uh, so I, uh, in, in high school, uh, one of one of my main competitors, I, I I shouldn't even call him a competitor because he beat me every single time, but it was Evan Jagger. Uh, yeah, I was at Woodstock High School. I was at Algonquin Jacobs, and we were the same age. Uh, so there's this this kid who just this you know this incredible talent. And I was like, oh man, like just the competitor in me wanted to to beat him. Um, I mean, of course, I never did, but it, it he certainly raised the bar, and and I I wanted to 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 you know compete with him at the the conference meets and in the those bigger mm-hmm. meets the invitationals that we go to. Um, so. Uh, that kind of pushed me and then it was from there once i was you know kind of getting ready for my senior year of of track that i really was running year round really getting after it and then from there is like you know track and and running i i know i i fell in love with it and and wanted to keep keep going and run in college uh whereas the opportunity probably wasn't as as uh apparent or wasn't as open uh with with football so did you play football all four years in high school? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I, was, I was wide so, receiver. Yeah. So I was wide receiver. Um, you know, I, I so. ran a lot. Um, I mean, I, I was okay. I was, I was actually the, the captain of the team my senior year, one of the captains mm-hmm. and uh, had, 
had like what 32 catches. I, I still remember my stat. I had 32 catches for like 433 yards, a couple of touchdowns, but which it wasn't all that stellar. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, we, we had a, we had a tough tough go of it my senior year in high school. Uh, so, football team. We, yeah. So how does football compare to uh, running? How did it compare to running track in high school? And also, did playing football in the fall mean you weren't running cross country? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So wow. the first time I ever ran a cross country race was as a walk on at Illinois. So in, in college, wow. my first ever cross country race. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, to, to answer that question, I think for I think I, I had a different mindset coming with a, having a football background and then going into cross country. It was a little bit more like bullheaded, a little bit, uh, <laughs> you know, kind of certainly believing in, in the benefit of hard work and having that hard work pay off, which I mean, uh-huh. that, that certainly translates in both sports and are in all sports really. Um, but I think for, for me, as I, I was improving quite a bit, there was a rapid progression um, from, from my high school, uh, my senior high school into, into college. And, um, you know, I, I, it certainly was a, an, an eye opener. Like I, I, I was the guy that, would wear like long baggy shorts in college, you know, to show up for practice. And the guys are like, what are you doing, man? Like, you got to wear like runner shorts. And I was like, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> so yeah, that, mm-hmm. I, I kind of had a, had a bit of a learning curve in college as uh-huh. it pertains to the, the running world. So um, it, it was a fun transition. I mean, there, there certainly are a lot of things that carry over. Like I said, hard work being the biggest thing and persistence uh, day in, day out, you know, dedication to, uh, you know, whatever goals you might have either individually or as a team. Yeah, absolutely. So you brought up racing Evan Jagger in high school. Yeah. So I, I was actually going to bring that up if you didn't, but on the Atlanta, on the, uh, Atlanta trials website, it, it says you trained incessantly in hopes of beating him senior year. Never did. So what was it like racing kids of that caliber in high school when you were only, uh, like 17, 18 years old. Yeah. And, you know, how did it push you? Right. Yeah. So I, I think it's funny because I, I ran the, the 800 was my primary event uh, all throughout high school up until the very end. But I, I primarily ran the 800 and Evan was more of a long distance guy, you know, 1600, 3200 was his territory. And so there really wasn't a ton of, of head to head there. Uh, until about my well actually I, I should say I remember the frost soft conference meet uh like the, the 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 Fox Valley conference freshman sophomore meet I remember wanting to set the 800 meter record uh for the frost for that particular meet and but then Evan ran the eight and it, it, so I was like all right all right here we go like this is this is about to go down and I think I mean he beat me by a time I think he actually set the record in that race and uh I I I think I might've run like a two Oh three or something, which yeah, it just wasn't, wasn't the record. Uh, and I remember that being uh that one, that one left a sour taste in my mouth, but I, I mean, I, 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 he had had an incredible sophomore year, you know, to where he had built a, built up a reputation by then, you know, as like a 15, 16 year old. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, he just became this, like this incredible talent. I mean, you know, the girl 
girls on my team were like swooning over Evan. I was like, come on, like, give, give me a break. Like this guy, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, cause he just made running look so cool and he was just so effortless and so like, so yeah. smooth. And he had his own, his own style that, I mean, not gonna lie. I, I emulated to it, to a degree. You know, I grew my hair out my senior year and like kind of had that try to get the flow. Like he had, uh, you know, mm-hmm. 18 year old Dan would not have admitted it because you know, that's, that hairstyle was a little more in in vogue then than it is now but uh yeah so I I, it was it was cool I remember a really unique experience was a triangular uh like a Tuesday night triangular meet it was Woodstock Huntley and then Jacobs where Evan uh went went to school and I remember it was he and I in the 3200 it's my first time I ever run a 3200 and yeah, it was just, yeah, like I said, like a sleepy Tuesday night meet. And I remember tucking in behind Evan and just like trying to hang on for as long as I could. I think you know, we probably went through 440 for the 1600, which was like at that time, like close to my personal best. And I think I, I mean, he, he maybe ran 920 and I ran like 940s. But I just remember he and I just, just being in that race and thinking about just tucking in right behind him and, and that cool experience of just being like, wow, this guy is like, you know, here, I, like I'm right here with, with this incredible athlete. And like, I've just, just got to try to hang on. Um, you know, I knew that I didn't stand a chance against him in a 3,200, but, uh, I just remember that, that being an awesome experience and just, just knowing that he, he had an incredible amount of talent that, uh, I, I tried to, tried to match, you know, tried to, to train, you know, compensate with training and, and, and beat him. But, mm-hmm. uh, so he was a guy that I always kept an eye on you know, in, in high school and then, and then beyond, uh, on the, on the radar. So when you were racing him in high school, did you see that he could end up becoming a Olympic silver medalist and, you know, numerous time national champion in the steeple and American record holder? Yeah, I guess you knew that his ceiling was high, that he, that he had, like I said, just like this, basically more than anything I had described just as a raw talent, where he'd be able to uh, anchor. I remember watching him anchor four by fours at like the county meet or conference meet. And he, I, I think he probably would just rip like a, like a 51 or something like that. And he'd be like, what? like and his team would be down, but he just would, he'd have the, the baton. Like he'd, he'd kind of carry it like almost like the, like along with his form, he had a unique way of carrying it. And he's just, when you saw his stride open up, that turnover was un, unreal to watch because it was so smooth and so effortless but he was moving so fast. It was just all like all legs. So it's like just seeing what he could do in the, in the, in like an open four. And I think he even ran, I remember seeing, you know, I'd, I'd look in the, the newspaper because I always publish like the, uh, some of the results from the area in the Northwest Herald. Uh, and I remember one time seeing him run like a, his, his result was listed in a 200 and he ran like a 23 or maybe 20. <laughs> It was just like, come on, man. Like, are you serious? And, you know, because he, he had that that range from from the, the sprint all the way to the third 200, which I remember his junior, our, our junior year, um, you know, he had done really well at track nationals and then coming back off of that, you know, to, to try to run that triple crown, which he almost got his senior year. Um, he lost that the mile, but... Yeah, that, but just, yeah, you, you knew that he was something special. I guess you didn't know how high the ceiling was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, certainly 
it, it was, it's high. Um, but it, it was a unique experience that certainly was motivating for me in those like formative years of, of, of learning, you know, about the track and field world. Um, but it, cause it, it, it motivated me then and beyond in college and then post collegiately too, just to, to have that experience and to, to continue to strive. I mean, uh-huh. I know that he's certainly more talented than, than, uh, than the most people. And, and myself definitely being one of them, but, uh, you know, trying for me, trying mm-hmm. to, to, to bridge the gap, be a hard work, but mm-hmm. he continued working just as hard, if not harder, but certainly harder, uh, you know, with Bowerman. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so you, yeah, it's, it's been fun to watch. So you mentioned you attended the university of Illinois. So why did you decide to go to university of Illinois? And also, why did you decide to walk on to the cross country and track teams? Yeah. Um, I, I, my senior year, uh, it kind of was coming down to, well, so my, my personal bests, my junior year in track were 159 in the 800 and then 440, I think is what I had in the 1600. So I, I, I knew that I wanted to run in college. Um, but my times didn't, weren't necessarily, you know, ones that I was getting actively recruited, uh, by schools. Mm-hmm. And when I, like I said, when I finished up my senior year of football, that's when I, I, I knew that th- those, those options weren't, I mean, I was getting recruited for division three football schools. And I, I just, <laughs> like I said, I, I knew, I knew that I had a, a, a still room for improvement with when it came to track. Um, so I decided that I wanted to pursue that in college. So I, I wanted to go to a bigger school. Like I like the, you know, I wanted to go to a big 10 school. Um, those were kind of the ones that I applied to and was fortunately able to, to get into. And it just made sense, um, you know, academically, uh, financially, and just from a overall standpoint to, to go to, to Illinois. So I, I picked or I'd chosen and committed to, to Illinois, um, you know, academically, uh, to enroll there probably by April or so my senior year. And then, so that's before the state track meet. Um, then I, I qualified in May in the eight and the 16, but I opted to just run the 1600. Cause I, cause I, my, my personal best were, you know, like I said, my junior was 440, but then I remember being able to run at some point in the middle of the year, a 433, and then like a couple 429s, 428s, always after doubling back from the 800. And at the sectional meet, I, I actually qualified in the eight running. So that at that point in time, the, the qualifying mark was FAT 157.74. And I ran and I finished third. So I wasn't an automatic qualifier in the, in the meet, but I ran 157.73. So I had just snuck under, I just qualified. And then, so I, that was a huge relief. And I doubled back to run the 1600. And I think the mark of the time was uh, 424.5 and I ran 422 something. So I had a little bit of wiggle room in the 16. And then after declaring, you know, what, what events I was going to run at that state meet my senior year, I decided I was just going to run the 1600 because I had not run it fresh. And then I ran in the prelim a 417 and actually did not make the final. I finished, I was 14th. And I just, that's kind of speaking to some of the talent that, that 
you know, that we had that year in, in Illinois, uh, which I think was certainly in part to having guys like Evan, you know, raise the bar for everyone. You know, it's like, if you're, if you're going to be a, a competitor, you're going to compete for, you know, a state title, you needed to, to be at that level. So anyways, I ran 417, uh, didn't make the final, but I reached out to the coach at Illinois uh, to say, like, hey, I'm, I'm coming here. I'm coming to the school. I'd love to be able to walk on. And uh, the coach at the time is Wendell McRaven, who's now the coach at Texas A&M. Uh, and he was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, of course. Like, we'd love to have you on the team. So that was, that was exciting uh, to be able to get that, that sort of vote of confidence from the, the coach. And he was excited to have me on the team. And, um, you know, because I think he saw there was a ton of room for improvement with, with my own, you know, experience in, in running or kind of just being relatively new to running from a, you know, my, my running age, so to speak, was, was relatively young just because mm -hmm. I've uh, been running year round. I just started running year round. Um, and yeah, from there, uh, like I met all the team, like the first day I walked on to camp or one of the first days I walked on the campus and kind of just folded in, folded mm -hmm. in from there. So how did your experience at the U of I compare to your expectations going in? And were you happy with your career after you graduated? Yeah. Um, I think I ultimately really didn't know what to expect at, at Illinois just because cross country in and of itself for me was so new. So I was just, I was just absorbing everything. Uh, there were some, you know, really great uh, older guys at the time uh, that were, you know, able to mentor me. Uh, there was a, a really great All-American runner, Trent Hare, who was a fifth-year senior when I was a freshman. Uh, it was, you know, a guy that I looked up to. And a, a whole bunch of other guys on the team that I looked up to that were, that were older and that were, you know, kind of took me in under their wing, uh, so to speak. Um, and... Yeah, it, for me, it was definitely just a continual, just keep putting in the work year after year, you know, every summer that, that, you know, I think every year I was probably a little bit disappointed with how the year finished out. Cause I, I always thought that like, I, I think one of the things with me, I always thought I had been, I was better than I, than my times indicated, or I was always better than what I ran, which is, I think is a good, it's a good thing. Um, Cause I, I believed in myself. Um, so I'd always end the year being a little disappointed and then I would really just jump into dive into summer training, like really almost as soon as I, I took a little bit of time off, but then was really eager to get into summer training. And, uh, every year I'd come in having made a, a, a pretty big improvement. Um, the one thing I know for me is I, I, and this continues, uh, to be, it's a, it's a fine line I always tell, but getting really fit and then trying to sustain that and, and then peak at the right time. Cause I would always get to the end of a cross country season or get to the end of the track season being a little bit stale. Um, so I, a lot of times would, would kind of burn out for the end of the seasons. And I think looking back at my college experience, um, that was probably one thing that I always, like I, I finished up, I graduated, um, you know, I had run some, some decent times, but I, I felt like there was still more to accomplish. So that, that's what kept me going post going, uh, continuing to train and, and motivating me to train post collegiately, uh, because I knew that there was still more, I felt like I had still more to accomplish given my, you know, like my, my career and, and what I, what I feel like I, I 
was able to do, um, was still hungry to, to do more. Mm -hmm. So now you run for second city track club. So how did you end up there and how did you end up in Chicago? And what is it like training with second city track club and how do you balance your training with your job? Yeah. Um, so after, let's say after graduating at Illinois, I actually spent a year. So I, I grew up in Woodstock, as you mentioned, or as we've talked about, um, and I spent a year after college kind of trying to land a, a job, uh, and then also like living with my parents essentially. Um, so I, I did, I did that, uh, a year after college, uh, continued to run actually was being completely self self-coached. I, I took, I took the things that I learned from, I, I actually had two college coaches. So Wendell McRaven was there for my first four years. And I stayed for a fifth year, uh, for which guy Gavin Kennedy, who's assistant coach at Wisconsin was, a my head coach. And there, there were things from both coaches that I, I really liked and, and the ways that they approached, uh, training and, and racing. So I, I took what I liked from both of them and kind of made my, devised my own training plan to be self-coached, which I felt like was, was effective. Um, but I, I really wanted people to, to run with. And of course, having a coach is, is extremely beneficial to be able to see those things that you can't as an athlete. Um, so I actually ended up moving to, uh, to Eugene, Oregon. I spent, uh, well, actually I ended up spending four years out in, in, in Eugene. I joined uh, team run Eugene. Uh, which was coached by uh, Ian Dobson, who is an Olympian in the 5,000 meters in 2008. Um, and he's a great, great guy. I mean, he has just a ton, ton, of, ton of knowledge, uh, really great experience, and has coached a lot of really great runners. Uh, he's he's taught there in Eugene right now. Um, but I had I had known about that group. Uh, I, I was, was interested in joining them. I, I went out and visited and in 2013, it was uh, really liked what they. It was definitely a grassroots type of uh, running club at that time, and it, it had since grown. Um, and then ultimately, that group uh, sort of just disbanded. Uh, people kind of just went separate ways uh, in 2018, and that's when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. Um, I, I loved living out in Oregon, incredible running community in Eugene, um, but I've, I've kind of felt like. I was ready to transition and being, you know, Chicago being my home city, you know, growing up in the suburbs, but, but always kind of being able to call Chicago home. I, I really wanted to, to move back or move, move back to, to Chicago. And I'd gotten to know uh, Michael Lucchese, um coach of the second city track club through, uh, through various races. I'd, I'd, I'd come back and run. I mean, I'd always love to come back to the Chicago road, uh, road racing circuit and kind of, I mean, they always offer pretty good prize money for the competition that was there. So I always felt like, okay, like I can, I can make a, you know, 500 bucks here, or maybe a thousand dollars here. So I would come back in the, in the summer and sometimes plan racing and, and training uh, around some of the, the races in Chicago. Um, but a lot of his athletes uh, were, were running those as well. So I got to know him through some of those races. And uh, when I was, fairly certain that I was coming back to Chicago. I met with him and talked about the prospect of joining second city. And, uh, and yeah, it was, it ended up all working out and I joined as soon as I moved back to Chicago. And this was the summer of 2018 and, 
yeah, his the approach that we have with Second City is is very much, uh, I'd say more more strength based, more aerobic based. Whereas with let's say Team Run Eugene, where I was in in Oregon, you know, we'd be doing two workouts a week with a long run that was kind of more time on foot type of thing. But now with Second City, that the approach is basically two big sessions. You know, we'd have a Sunday long run session, which has some sort of quality in built, built into it. And then our, our Wednesday workout sessions, which are, are early, um, for us here in the city. Uh, those are, those are also big sessions that, you know, are usually, oh gosh, I mean, it could range from six to 12 miles of, of like quality work. Uh, so those, of course, you need to be able to recover off of uh, in order to undertake the next, you know, the next big mm-hmm. session. So it becomes, you know, when Wednesday, Saturday or Wednesday, Sunday for the, for our schedule. So it's a different approach, but I actually feel like I've, I've responded well to it. I mean, I've aerobically developed a ton in, in my time with second city. I mean, it, just by virtue of stringing those together, like being consistent and stringing that, um, uh, those, those big sessions together has been, has been incredible. And I mean, I've, I've had, I've been fortunate to, to see huge breakthroughs in, in, in the marathon, especially, uh, in, in a little bit more consistency, let's say with the half marathon and now, you know, trying, trying to, uh, one of the things that's always eluded me has been a good, uh, tank on the track. And that's what I'm, I'm going to try to hit that this spring. So that's one thing that we're, we're gearing up for, uh, in the next several weeks, um, probably going to take a swing at Portland track festival, um, to like just try to see how close I can get to, you know, hopefully, I mean, what, hitting a trials qualifier time. That's one thing that I've, I've always wanted to, to accomplish in my career on the track. Um, you know, those experiences of Olympic trials in the marathon are incredible. And I, I've always, I've always loved running on the track and the, the track community uh, is just so much fun. So I, I've wanted to be a part of that and going to try to, take a swing this spring in the 10 K and hopefully try to improve some of my, my PRs. Cause I've been, I've been running for a long time, but I I still feel, uh, you know, just as strong or as, Mm -hmm. is, is in, in top Mm -hmm. form as I ever have. Yeah. So we both train in Chicago. Personally, I, I don't like it very much. I don't like the wind. It's <laughs> yeah. very cold. Yeah. Um, it's very noisy. There's a lot of stoplights on sidewalks and there's not that much soft surface trails around. So, but what do you think of training in Chicago? Yeah. Um, I know like for me, I live pretty close to the lakefront path. So, and I, that's another thing. Yeah. I, I hate stopping at stoplights like that, like gives me anxiety when I'm like, stopping and I feel like my heart rate's going down. I'm like, no, I gotta get going. So <laughs> thankfully we're from where I live. There's really only one stoplight that I might have to actually stop at maybe 20% of the time. <laughs> so if not, I'm running from this, it's low traffic enough to where I, you know, can kind of just blow through it, you know, looking both ways very carefully <laughs> to make sure I don't get, get smoked. But uh, so the lakefront path, I mean, somehow I haven't gotten sick of it yet in a couple, in the two years that I've been run, two plus years I've been running on it. Um, I think it just with the, the, the views and the opportunities around the Montrose area to kind of weave around certain paths, 
kind of can, you can switch things up enough, but yeah, I mean, there's no, no question. The winters in Chicago are brutal and it, it takes, <laughs> we just got through February and that, that took some soul searching to be able to really get, get out the door uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and get out, you know, when it's dark and extremely cold, extremely windy. A lot of times my, my gear, you know, my running outfit, you know, it would be a hybrid of ski and running gear. So it, it would, you know, I'd be, I'd be nuts. Like, you know, I'd be, if it was either high winds or high winds with snow that I'd be wearing ski goggles and my ski gloves, you know? So yeah, I just, you kind of have to be a little crazy. I mean, you definitely have to be a little crazy to train in Chicago, uh, through the winter. Um, but you know, it's, no matter where you're at, I feel like you always kind of have this idea that there's, it's better somewhere else. So, yeah. you know, I've, I've found that like in Eugene, a lot of times in the winter, it would be, you know, it wouldn't be that cold, but it would be very dreary, you know, where it'd be just constant uh, clouds, you know, mixed with rain, never really rained that hard, but it was just like kind of rainy, drizzly. And it got to be pretty dreary. And I kind of missed the winters in Chicago when you'd get those cold days that, but were bright, you know, brilliant sun, you know, to have that, that mix up was nice. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I've always had the approach that wherever I'm at, I'm going to try to make, make the best of it or make the most of it and try not to come up with too many excuses, you know, as to why I can't, mm-hmm. uh, train, you know, where I'm at. Cause I think, I mean, like I said, it, it, everyone kind of always has an idea that it's better somewhere else, but I've, I love, I love being here in Chicago. It's, it's like I said, my, my home city that, uh, I love, love the people, um, like the, the city, every, like the energy of it. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to be here and like just being able to get out in the lakefront path on most days and, and just feel, you know, it's kind of soak it all up, uh, and, you know, be able to run an hour if it means going North or South, whatever it might be, uh, just uh make making the most of of that mm-hmm. so you recently placed 28th at the olympic trials uh you finished 22 seconds behind olympian jared ward and you also finished just ahead of ian butler who recently ran 209 and you also beat big names such as matt lano rogan austin reed fisher and Clayton Young. So how do you feel about your performance at the 2020 Olympic trials? Yeah, uh, that was, that was fun. I mean, I, I, I trained, a, I trained a lot. Um, I should say I had a really good training block leading into it. So I knew I was fit. I knew I was ready to engage that race and, and embrace the atmosphere. Cause I think going into it, you know, you talk about, you, you see a lot of guys that, you know, through the running scene or guys, men and women, and you're like, hey, how's, how's it going? How's training been? They're always kind of like, oh, well, I don't know. I'm just happy to be here uh, for, for most of them. Obviously, a lot of people are there to race and to run hard. Um, but I felt like my, my mental approach was absolutely ready, like ready to embrace that day, embrace the, you know, the, the, the difficulty of the course. Um, you know, we, we had done a lot of hill training leading up to it. So I knew I was prepared to t- take on that course ended up being a lot windier than anticipated than anyone anticipated. Uh, it was basically like a Chicago type of type of day. Um, 
but in Atlanta with a lot more hills. Um, so I just knew that like, no matter what, like I was, I prepared myself well and I was ready to go into that race. So uh, I remember going out, I remember going out and there was like, you know, cause I had, I had, you know, I'm a fan of the sport. I know all the guys that are, that are I'm competing against. And you know, I remember like going out and be like right next to Jim Walmsley who had like a, there a lot of people were talking about like, how is Jim Walmsley going to do, uh, you know, like all, all this talk. Um, and I remember like just being in the first mile, like right, right next to him. And it's like, man, like if I trip, like I'm tripping Jim Walmsley and like, this could be a big deal, <laughs> but so, uh, so it's, it was cool just to be in there. Uh, and like, there was just, you know, guys everywhere, people constantly moving. I remember there was like a, a cone in the middle of the road for some reason that we were all like, that just came out of nowhere. And it's like, Oh crap, like crap. So like, that's one of the things like a whole mass of people. And then all of a sudden, like ever, like there was just a, like traffic cones and like trying to like juggle around and, and you know, not cause a mass like wreck essentially. Um, and just being in an environment where there's like a lot of commotion, a lot of chaos, but then sort of being able to calm myself down in it and feeling like that's truly like where I belonged. That was the, like the biggest thing was like, Hey, I've, I've put in all the work I've, I've prepared myself well, and I belong up here in the lead group. You know, I, I ran with the lead group for the first lap and a half, like I'd say the first 10 or so miles. And I mean, that amount of energy was so cool just because it was so loud, people lining the streets, cheering, cheering us on, you know, the entire way. Uh, and I remember <laughs> you mentioned Reed Fish. I remember actually almost getting tangled up in his first fall when he, when he fell and cut his, like cut his face. Uh, and I remember he got, he can't, he got back into the pack where we were after the fall. And his like his head was his face is bleeding. I was like, "Yo, dude, your face is bleeding." <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, yeah." I was like, "Well, just so you know, it looks pretty badass." He's like, "Oh, thanks." So I remember, and then honestly, like not a half mile later, he fell again. Like he just like you know, like Pete Rose did it kind of on the on the <laughs> on the on the on the street. And I was like, "Oh crap, that sucks." Um, but he ended up, he ended up rebounding. Well, I mean, I, am sure his, his, uh, his personal, uh, aspirations were a little higher for the day, but, um, yeah, to, to once, <laughs> once the, the packs kind of got strung out and it like was really, you know, out in the open, everyone was really battling the conditions. I remember digging deep and like seeing, seeing, like you said, some of those guys that were kind of coming back to me, um, it's like, oh man, like this guy's struggling. Wow, that was not a, like that was not expected, and being able to pass them was like, it, it gave me energy or it gave it gave me like a renewed confidence, I guess, um, to see see guys that were kind of coming back or like having having a tough day because it's like, man, if I feel bad right now, like I'm, these guys obviously are, you know, they've they've come in with such high hopes and expectations, and they're not having their day. It's like well, I don't know. I still, I'm still running. I'm still able to put one foot in front of the other. So I guess like, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm fine. <laughs> so, and I remember uh, having like a cramp in my left hamstring that I, I was really scared. It was just going to seize up at one point. So I was mindful of not, it actually was harder on the downhills than it was on the uphills because of the like a little bit extra 
couple extra inches of my stride going downhill, like was a little bit more strain on my hamstring. But thankfully that never seized up because I, I knew I was doing all right. I knew I was picking off guys that were, that were up in the front uh, early. And I, I knew I was going to be in the top 30 because I think top 30 and certainly top 25 was my goal for that day. Just, just given where I was coming into it, I think my bib number was 55, which was like the, basically the seed number. Um, so to be exceeding that was, was awesome. And, and it was just a celebration of, of the sport. And I, I didn't want to let something happen to, to let it, you know, sabotage my performance or, um, you know, just compromise the amount of work that I did or that, you know, as a team collectively, we had all put into this. So I wanted to run something that I felt like was indicative of that. And, you know, to finish 28th, like was, was, was awesome because I actually dropped out of the 2016 Olympic trials in Atlanta. Um, at that time I was training in Eugene and like the cold rainy Eugene winter was drastically different than the, you know, 75 degrees in sunny LA that was in 2016. So I didn't, I didn't even stand a chance there. I, I got to like 25 K and, and was like having heat exhaustion symptoms um, so I wanted to come back and make sure that I, I did some, I was able to do something that I was happy with, or at least somewhat proud of. Um, and I'd say running in Atlanta was, you know, 28 was 28th place, uh, was something I could hang my hat on and, and feel like was a, a solid accomplishment, um, you know, for this point in my running career, certainly still hungry to, to, to do more. I mean, gosh, one of my, one of my teammates, Colin Mickow, he was a college college teammate at Illinois. Took a ton of time off, training back again, and he uh, finished like 13th or something, or can't remember what place he was. But he he was absolutely duking out up front with like Galen Rupp and was trying to cover those lead moves. It's like, man, Colin, what the heck? So, you know, I, he I, he and I had always had a rivalry in college, and continuing that on now, it's like if Colin's doing it, then like, damn it, I can do it too. So. I, there's still motivation there to, to improve, um, you know, just seeing, seeing guys like him do so well. And, you know, Colin also doing well at the marathon project running two eleven. Um, but yeah, that it just, it's, it's been great to, to have those types of experiences to be able to run with some really, you know, elite, elite runners, you know, both in the U S and, you know, international. Um, and it's, it's, it, it motivates me even more to continue. Yeah. So some of your teammates include Alan Peterson, a 214 marathoner, and Colin McCow, the like you just mentioned, a 211 marathoner. So what is it like training with these two? Oh man, you know, it, it is funny because before they before they joined our team and uh in were were training partners um of mine, you know, it, it was basically kind of you know, I, I would, I would sort of be like the lead dog almost in some of the workouts where, you know, I'd be able to run with guys. And then after a while, you know, let's just say my, my aerobic base, my aerobic engine would kind of take over and I'd be able to kind of finish the second half of those workouts, at least the, the aerobic, you know, long tempo type workouts, uh, on my own where I was kind of digging, but able to kind of like separate and just like feel strong, but, with these guys joining, I mean, like they're the ones that are kicking my butt. Like they're, they're the ones that are, I mean, they're like, there's first of all, incredibly talented runners and they work, they, they work extremely hard. Uh, so it's, it's, 
motivating to me to try to, to make sure that I'm bringing my A game when I'm running and training with them, you know, week in, week out, so that, uh, you know, like I, I can hang with them because I know that they're, they're running well, they're training at a high level, and I, I know what I can and should be right there with them. You know, I have that own expectation. So, uh, and the thing is, we all we're all lifting each other up. It's not like it's like like this some sort of toxic competitive environment. It's like we all are trying to to help each other out. You know, in the middle of the workouts or whatever. It's like, come on, let's go. Like, you know, it's like, come on up here, Dan. And I'm like, all right, like I'm trying. So uh, it is it is it is good. It's it's been a, a welcomed addition to have all those guys. I mean, they're they're great guys. Um, you know, before the marathon project, the three of us just. Uh, like rent an Airbnb for the week leading up to it and kind of all kind of hung out uh, down in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And that, that it was, it all went really well. We're just kind of pretty all laid back and mostly just focused on, on, you know, running. Yeah. So on a scale of one to 10, how big of a track and field fan are you? Like with 10 being, you know, you follow all the best guys running fast and you follow all these collegiate runners and you know, who's who, in like all these events, the best in the nation. And with one being, you don't pay attention at all to anybody running fast. You just go out there, compete against, you don't even know who you're competing against. Yeah. So on a no, scale of one to 10. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm up there. I, I, I am a big track and field fan. And that's like, that's one thing I would, you know, I would hope that like anyone who's, you know, involved, you know, from a, from a younger age, let's say like middle school, high school is like, just become fans of the sport. Um, because yeah, like I, I follow, I, I don't know if put a number on it, probably like a, a nine, let's say, like, I, I do follow the sport, uh, you know, from, from when I was in high school and college, you know, I, I took notice of some of the best runners, uh, in, in the U S and internationally and have continued to follow. I mean, like I'm, I'm one of those guys that'll try to find those like elicit streams of live track meets and like try to like get around paywalls if I can <laughs> to like, you know, to watch some of the stuff. And yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll yeah, I'll, I'll go down, go on YouTube and, and watch old races, uh, just, just to one, it's mm-hmm. motivating for me to get out the door and, tr- and continue training. Like when I, you know, might feel like I'm just kind of by myself, uh, throughout the week, you know, when it, as it pertains to training and running. Um, but two, just to, yeah, just gain appreciation for, for other guys and other men and women in the sport that are doing incredible things. Like I, living out in, in Oregon was a really cool experience for me because, you know, I, like I, you know, gave my whole background story, like played football and, and ran track and in, in high school and became kind of a, like a fan of the sport in throughout college, followed all the big names. Um, you know, my time in the big 10, there were some incredible athletes that I competed against. I mean, you know, Mo Ahmed was at Wisconsin, um, you know, Hassan Mead at, at Minnesota, Ben Blankenship at Minnesota. Um, Indiana had a ton of guys like Andy Bayer, Andy Poor. Um, I mean, like Craig Forries is at Michigan, uh, Corey Leslie at Ohio State. I'm trying to think like basically a, a, a whole bunch of guys uh, that, that went on to have incredible post-collegiate careers or become Olympians were guys that I competed against in college. So like, I, I knew like 
these guys' stories and everything. And, and when I moved out to Oregon, I got to like see everyone or basically I was a fan that became like over time, like an acquaintance and then like a friend to these guys and, and men and women. And it was just like, wow, this is like kind of a, like a, this is, this is like a wild experience like that, you know, have, having that um, opportunity to be out there and, and to get to know on a personal level, some of these incredible runners, like, I mean, for, like, I, I work, I ended up working like for several months at Run Gum, like packing, you know, <laughs> gum with Nick Simmons as my boss, and I got to like, you know, know, like hang out with Andy Weeding. Like I know him like on a personal level. I get get mistaken for Andy Weeding out in Eugene sometimes, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of funny. But um, no, like there a lot of really awesome people that are still doing big things in the sport. Got to know like I like got to know out in Oregon at the time, like Chesar- Ed, Ed Chesarek, like every time I see me like, oh, what's up, DJ? And I'm like, oh, what's up, dude? Like, <laughs> so Ed, I got to know Eddie well and just like continue to follow them. Everyone competing at such a high level um, that like, yeah, I, I continue to follow along. And, and I think the biggest thing is, you know, everyone has a really unique story. And if you're a fan of the sport, it's just like, you know, trying to get to know the stories of some of these runners and you know what they're all about and like what makes them tick because uh, that's how track and field you know is going to grow into the future and because um, I, I mean sure maybe i'm biased but i think it's a, a really like fun sport once you once you're in it or like once you kind of get to following it and and seeing the incredible things that people are doing you know constantly uh especially now you know like what, what bowerman's doing what you know things are going down the ncaa with like those guys at oregon and man like it's, it's a fun time it's an exciting time to be a fan um mm. so yeah i i'm i'm following along and and i recommend that anyone who's getting involved in track and, and running now like pay attention to the guys that are men and women that are doing big things out there yeah so following up after that question what is your yeah. opinion on track and field being shown more through social, social media with influencers influencers such as tim and elite Westfly, the Beer Mile Podcast, Sidious Meg, Ben Crawford, etc. Yeah, yeah, um, I, that's that's great because it's it's all exposure. You know, it's all and like I was saying before, it's like telling those stories and getting those stories out there because that's that's what it's all about. You know, like if you see someone at the starting line that you've never seen before, you know, you don't know what their backstory is. You don't know like what types of things they've had to overcome. What they're you know what how they've gotten to that particular point in time, you know, towing the line for that race or what that race means to them. But through these various channels, through various social media, um, like content, um, it, it just gets, it gets those stories out there and gets people engaged. So I, I think it's great. You know, a lot of times, you know, I, I can, I, some, some stuff, you know, you, you roll your eyes at because it's just like, it seems very self-serving or very, you know, self-absorbed, but at the same time, though, like you gotta, you gotta be able to put yourself out there in a way that tells a story, that tells a narrative, that gets people invested. Because otherwise, yeah, it's just like I said, you're not gonna have any idea of like what people are coming to a race, uh, you know, having sacrificed or having, you know, what it took to get there. So I'm all for it. Yeah, yeah, that's actually why I'm creating this podcast because I just feel like there's so many 
people out there who have stories that are like really cool that nobody knows about just because um, maybe they're, you know, they're not as talented as maybe Galen Rupp or Evan Jagger, somebody yeah. like that, but they're yeah. still, they still have a really cool story that maybe if people got to know their story better, better than, you know, they'd have a lot more f- fans and followers and it, it'd be fun to like root for them, you know, and maybe watch them on a live stream or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So outside of running, how do you like to spend your free time? Oh man. Uh, gosh, honestly, so I, I work, I mean, you mentioned in the beginning as a medical coder doing mm-hmm. coding for a, a podiatry group on the West side. Um, you know, so what I appreciate that is I can work remotely, um, throughout the week and then my hours are somewhat flexible. So I, I, it affords me the opportunity to train in the morning. So it's like, wake up, you know, do basically like drink coffee, drink water, get my body ready to go and then go for your training run in the morning, come back. And usually it means like I'm getting ready, like ready to dive right into the workday. And then after that, I'll double back in the evening, uh, again, after work. So honestly, it's like throughout the week, like I'm, I am struggling to, to find mm-hmm. free time. You know, it's like some, I enjoy like the, the feeling that like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm being productive. I'm, I'm getting things done. I'm not, you know, necessarily wasting, you know, copious amounts of time, but yeah, I mean, every, I could use, you know, serve to use a little bit more free time, uh, in my day, but at the same time, it's like, I, I know all the little things that are required to, know to make those jumps with training and it's like you know with with anything that you have a passion for or dedicated to um you're always kind of thinking of ways to to get better so like let's just say i finish up my evening double i'm done running for the day and then it's like well there's maybe an hour of time or so well let's just say a couple hours in the evening to make dinner and then like have a little bit of free time and before bed um, but a lot of times I'll like come back and do core work. I'll do stretching, do something, you know, a lot of times I might like, might like crack a beer just to like uh, crack a beer while I'm stretching and doing core work to kind of just like <laughs> unwind from the day. You know, it's like, I, I've kind of gotten uh-huh. to the routine of that where it's just like, all right, you know, this helps me to kind of just relax or just like unwind and, you know, whatever mm-hmm. sporting event, I, I'm a big sports fan. So I, I guess a lot of my, any free time, like on the weekends is usually, um, involved like i'll i'll like i'm a big bears fan unfortunately uh <laughs> a big, big cubs fan uh and yeah it's a, like football baseball then of course yeah running but um yeah following along with sports like that's usually kind of what, what what consumes my my free time so let's just say i'll be doing core work stretching you know, having a middle light or something <laughs> and then watching like whatever sports sport event is on TV concurrently. So that's kind of like my unwind free time, like at, uh, let's just say 8 PM you know, before dinner. And then mm-hmm. the next day, just do it all over again. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's kind of a boring existence, but you know, it's that routine that, that I know mm-hmm. the tried and true routine that, that kind of affords you to get to that next level in training. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are your goals for the future in terms of maybe you mentioned, you know, going back on the track, trying to get an Olympic trials qualifier. Um, and yeah. Yeah. Um, right. So that would be the, the first thing I think this, this spring is trying to, uh, 
get back on the track. Hopefully can run some, some personal best times. It's kind of funny. I mean, I, my, my track PRs aren't, let's say, you know, like that elite, uh, I have 1402 in the 5k. So, and it's funny cause I'm right at like those bears. So it's like 1402, 2904, um, for the, those track times, uh, at least the notable ones. And I would like to be able to dip under 14, dip under 29 this year. That would be great uh, to finally eclipse that. And then I think I, I definitely want to turn around uh, this summer into the fall and run Chicago. Um, it's gonna be a really fun fall of marathon road running um, across the world really with, you know, mm -hmm. as long as everything continues along to, so these events can happen in a safe way. Um, yeah, like I'm all for it. And I, I Chicago, like I said, being my home city, uh, had an incredible experience there in 2019, um, you know, running a big PR and running with those other guys, Alan and Colin in that race uh, to try to to do it all over again and hopefully run a little, little faster this time. So run, run Chicago in the fall. And then I kind of, I'll see, I'll see where I'm at. Um, you know, with, from, from a career standpoint outside of running, you know, it's kind of also trying to figure out too, like, you know, exactly what I want to do after my running career, um, whenever that might be, uh, you know, like a physician assistant is something I've, I've looked into, or at least I've, I've made an effort I prepared to do, um, after my running career is over. So it's like deciding when, you know, the right time to foray into that. Um, but, you know, honestly, it's like while while I'm still running and while I'm still, uh, you know, I've been, I'm very thankful, very blessed that I've been healthy for as long as I have been uh, to be consistent in that training, um, not have any serious injuries pop up that allows for just continuity of of training over a long period of time that like can, can try to keep coming back to the track and, and run usually track in the spring and then a marathon in the fall is what I've what I've liked to do or what I find to be most enjoying, enjoyable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, Dan, I appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast. Where can the listeners follow you on social media? Yeah. Um, I'm on Instagram at, at DJ Kremsky. Um, I, I need to do a better job of putting more content out there. That's the thing. It's like, <laughs> I know how like the, the effectiveness of the content, but at the same time, like, I don't know, I, I do, I do a, probably a, a subpar job of curating content for myself. I think I just need, I don't know. I'm not one to take pictures of myself. So if like someone takes a cool picture of me, I'd be like, all right, yeah, I can put that up. But uh, DJ yeah. Kremsky on, on Instagram is probably the most active of my social handles. Um, I don't really tweet all that much. Same Twitter handle, DJ Kremsky. And I'm not, I'm not an actual DJ. I, my, my middle name is James. So it's uh, Daniel James. You know, I'm not, I'm not spinning any records anywhere, but uh, so that's uh yeah that's been been my handle for a while and yeah i'd say probably instagram is the best bet 